Welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to follow their passions and find their purpose in order to live their best life. Today's guest is the incredible AC Sherpa. I met AC a few years ago when I was in the New York Times travel show and he was promoting his company International Sherpa Guides. AC has one of the most inspiring journeys that I know and I really had to share it with all of you. AC was born in Nepal and immigrated to the United States at the age of 13 and he's from a small town in Nepal where healthcare and education were pretty much non-existent. So when he immigrated to the United States, it gave him so many opportunities that he wanted to share it to the people of Nepal. AC is one of the only few individuals in the world who has climbed the seven tallest summits in the world, and he accomplished this in 42 climbing days in order to raise awareness to what was happening in Nepal. By creating this foundation, AC has been able to give health care, education, and has built so many homes for the people after the earthquake has happened. He's also given so many jobs. He is such an inspiring person for me, and I hope that you are also inspired by his story as much as I have been. Hi, AC. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and telling us about about your offbeat life. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat lifestyle? Um, well, I, uh, I born in uh, Nepal, a remote village in uh, Himalaya, uh, population about uh, 1,500 to 2,000 people. And um, I moved here in the United States on, uh, in, back in 1987. I went to high school here and college here. And then uh, after 10, 15 years later, visiting back home wasn't changed. And it was a lot of even like uh, it got into more worse. And so coming back to U.S., I kind of uh, got this uh, trying to get uh, some different opportunity and to help people. And so it chose me to uh, like uh, climb the seven highest mountain in the world to put my name somewhere so people can recognize me. Um, that way um, I can do some good work for the foundation and people I can help the back at home. I know it's a climbing seven summit. People are going to go, how can you help? But first place, uh, nobody knows who's AC Sherpa is. I was trying to, uh, trying to let people to know who, who am I and what I can do and how I, what I, why I'm doing this. So I started to make a very difficult decision. Um, I have to leave my one, three-year-old daughter behind my wife. And I started climbing the seven, mount, seven summit from the North America in Denali. And then Africa, South America, Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And then after that, I went to European tallest in Russia, in Alberts. And then from that, I went to Kosciuszko in Australia. And then, um, and then Aconcagua in Argentina. And then South America, uh, down Antarctica in Benson Massif and uh, Everest in Southeast Asia. So I climbed in 42 climbing days from city to top and back uh, within 42 climbing days, all seven. Uh, so now the seven summit is doing very well, and we've been we've been helping in Nepal, Tibet, Bhutan, and, and even the Tanzania and Africa and uh, women and children, uh, healthcare, education sector. I never thought I can get into the uh, this kind of a social work first 
when I came to America, I was trying to do, become this, become that, trying to do this, do that. And, but all my selfish, selfish uh, and self-esteem, all those things, uh, I, it's gone away because uh, social work make me change. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, just from the start of your story where you came from a really small village and an immigrant, and now you have a business here, you started Seven Summits, and now you're affecting thousands of people's lives because of what you did and because of climbing those seven summits we will look at that and glorify it but it's really the things that you've done after it that's even more incredible right is you're changing people's lives in all of these different countries that need the education and the help to live a better life because you were able to get that yourself that's really incredible ac (laughs) yeah thank you thank you well i mean when i came from this came to this country um I see the opportunity, like uh, you know, from my country, like a rupees versus dollar was at the time. At the time, at the time, was about at one dollar equal twenty nine rupees, and uh, and I was always thinking about, wow, you know, like if I make this much, if I collect this much dollar, how if I convert, I can do this, that in Nepal, and with you know, like uh, for me, like uh, coming to America was just uh, walking through the apple garden, which apple to pick, you know, like so much opportunity, and with the opportunity. There are some people can grab their opportunity. Some people doesn't decide to grab that opportunity. But for me, always was, you know, like, a, how can I get an opportunity? How can I help others? How can I, you know, make a changes? How can I go to next step rather than staying the same step? And that is kind of, a, you know, like, you have to come from your heart and you have to come from, you have to really, you have to, you know, like, a, be you who you want to be. Um, it's not, uh, you know, like a people not going to bring it to you in the, you know, say like a here, here for you. And I think it's a, and age of 13, I'm living into America, moving from our parents, my mom and dad, and uh, coming to my elderly brother who lives in Seattle, Washington. And um, some reason, you know, like uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he doesn't have much education and I don't have much education. So we kind of, we didn't you know, get along. It's uh, visions are different. My visions are different. I didn't get along very much with my brother. So I kind of uh, decided to move out from my brother age of 13, 14. And I live uh, one of the host family house, like uh, I paid $300. And with that, my early age of hardship and early age of learning a lesson, um, I think it gave me a lot of, lot of uh, matureness and grow up uh, faster and the opportunity how to grab and how to be humble and it's all these things are came from naturally uh, with my lesson. That story you just told about you leaving home at the age of 13. I mean, you were still a child then. And, you know, a lot of people here in the United States, we can't even imagine leaving home at that age. How do you find your motivation to do something like that. I mean, you were able to do that at the age of the uh, 13, and obviously that carried through as an adult. But when you are given these struggles and setbacks, how do you go forward and overcome those things? Well, um, you know, I I never only went up like a stuck. I, I mean, like a, you know, like a mountain. Like you cannot only climb up; you have to come down too. Sometimes I have, I have a lot of obstacle. In my life, in um, you know, sometime I when I came to America, I even had uh, after my move out of my brother, I didn't have a 
you know, like a, a right away type of family. I couldn't find a host family. I even sleep in the stadium inside the gym. And I, you know, four or five nights and then take a shower in the gym without a friend seeing it. So, and then I went to the classroom, make sure I didn't smell. So, you know, like things kind of, things those kind of happen. I mean, I think, you know, like I told early age, what uh, what I went through and that made me the changes and become a more strong person. And even though, when, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, I had a financially uh, stable, I have a lot of things around me, uh, everything what I need. And still, I have a lot of, People always run into those kind of situations, doesn't matter what. But uh, those you have to uh, learn to fight back and trying to balance and trying to bring it to, uh, you know, how you want to handle those things. And I think I, you know, uh, early age moving to America because I learned these things because my father is a Gurkha, which is British Army um, from Nepal. And my, in my home, I've been trained like an army. And uh, pretty much I have to be very attention alert, you know, what I have to do and what my father can think and my mother can think. So I had to go through all these things and I, I become very, uh, you know, I was trained well. So <laughs> because of that, I think it's, uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't take in defensively and uh, what my parents, parents taught me, but I think that that is the lesson that I think that I learned and that's, the, that's why I think who I am today and uh, what makes me become today. That upbringing that you have definitely changed you as a person, and it has made you what you are today. Now, looking back at everything that you have done and what you've achieved, what has been the biggest sacrifice that you had to to make in order to live this life? And the biggest struggle I had is language. Coming to this country, I had to learn language. It not other matter, matter matter what, because after I, I mean, age of thirteen. Um, most people consider it still kid, but the thing is, uh, I wasn't at the time, but I was strong inside. And my um, biggest thing is also um, there's a mom for me, there's a mom always trying to, try, you know, like I make sure I'm, you know, like I have food in my stomach, make sure I'm full or not, make sure, you know, um, I'm taking care of how am I doing today. I had to leave everything behind. Um, uh, moved to my brother, uh, but after six months, like I said, me and my brother didn't get along, and I had to move out. So those the thing biggest challenge that I had to face. I one point I wanted to say, why the hell am I doing here in US? I think I should go back to my country, and I think my parents can shadow me, my parents can help me. You know, I can live like a village life. And on one point, almost I gave up. And but the thing is, and I I can look at it, and I cry myself. I look at it, and then I just say. You know what? Uh, there's a thousands of people lined up in U.S. Embassy in Nepal day and night to get a visa to come to this country. And if I come to this country and if I reach this much, and if I cannot even make it out my life, well, I might as well die. I mean, why should I be in here existing this world today? And so those things that I had to give up a lot of lot of things, and and I came here and I struggle a lot up in life, and um, and sometimes, like I said, you know, like a I sleep on the you know outside the stadium in the in the high school stadium, and I had a like a either like a like a ninety five uh, cents or at that time what the forty forty twenty nine or forty cents uh, ramen from the hot water and eat day and night to you know uh, you know survive and you know go to school and eat the buy a you know like a gallon of milk and buy a, a box of cereal and eat that and uh, I, I didn't have a choice of what I what I should eat and pretty much I. 
keep myself like to you know do do something and the seven when I even when I was doing seven summit and I was I thought I almost gave up too in Everest because uh, when I was going through like this 65 degree angle up to the mountain like uh, all ice and if you fell you're da- you're dead then I mean the 8,000 meter mountain you have to cross from the one Lotse face to next to Everest to climb and going through that wall uh, all day long you know, hiking like a one step at a time, I got a snow blind when I got to 8,000 meters in South Cole, right before the last came of the summit. And um, at the time, you know, like, uh, like I was all night long cry in the tent to bring me down. Uh, and I came with my helper, Sherpa, and then one of my Sherpa brothers. And then when I came down, I thought, I'm done. Now I'm done. And Oh, I give such a big hope to people, and I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. Um, and I came down to base camp, and then, and, you know, like I ate food, cry, and like, you know, like, gosh, I get to wait another year. I don't know it's going to happen again. So, so, but I called my wife. I called my cousins. I called call a lot of people that I know closest, and they say they give me a lot of, lot of motivation. With that motivation they give to me in that same year, Within after three days, I got sick and coming down to base camp. And next couple of days later, I turned around and went back and summited to Everest. And May 22nd, 2010 at 9.40 a.m. And that was the most emotional and moment I ever had in the top of the summit with my talking on the satellite phone with my wife and crying. That's yeah. amazing. And the yeah. fact that you had all of these obstacles thrown at you and you were ready to give up. And I really believe that the support system that you have, whether it's your friends or the people at home, it really makes a big difference because that was one of the biggest motivator for you to get on top of Everest was your friends and your wife just giving you that motivation and telling you that they're there to support you. And now that you have, you know, achieved the seven summits, your children are looking at you and in awe of everything that you have accomplished. And you are definitely the epitome of what a lot of immigrants want to be, you know, and my parents are immigrants and so am I. We're from the Philippines and you always want what you couldn't have, right, as a child as a person growing up in a different country, you come here and you think to yourself, I want to create something beyond me and I want my children to have more than what I had before. And that's incredible because now you have your foundation, you have the international shirt bus, um, and it is a really great achievement for you to have. Let's talk about when you were preparing to do the seven summits. How did you train for this? Did you used to climb a lot before you even did this? Or did you just think about it? And, you know, obviously you're from Nepal and there's a lot of mountains to climb over there. But how did you prepare for this moment? Yeah, like I said, I was... um... Uh, seventh, eighth grade in high school, uh, I mean the middle school in, uh, when I, in Nepal, when I was going to ninth grade and I moved to here. But at that time, uh, one season that I did, uh, my brother had a company called Sherpa Adventure Track in Nepal. And so there was a lot of student group comes from like University of Puget Sound, University of Washington, 
And I went to hiking with them, uh, like a 29, 21, 21, 29 days trekking, like in the summertime, so I can make earn some money. And um, but um, I did like about that, like about maybe a year, and then I moved to here. Um, like I said, you know, like I've been in struggle, and I didn't have a time to go to climb mountain. But uh, 2002, I start hiking around the Seattle, Washington, and. I started climbing my first time in 2002. I climbed Mount Rainier in first time, and from that, uh, when I was when I started in uh, uh, Mount Rainier, um, it was very technical, very uh, challenging. Um, I, have, I would respect, still respect the even it's a small mountain, but it's very very technical. Um, in by 2009, when I started in uh, Denali, my first summit. Uh, and that was a drink, uh, end of the May, like, uh, it was May 28th, I fly to, uh, uh, to At that time, I already climbed Rainier 13 times. And with that, uh, technical scale, uh, basic scales, um, kind of, uh, give me, uh, about, even though when, I mean, when I said I wanted to do a seven summit, climb seven summit in the world to help women and children. Uh, that was because of, I was continuing climbing Mount Rainier and I was very motivated. I was very, uh, you know, confident about it. And so I said, I'm going to do a seven summit to help women and children and back home, my home. So, and that's how I kind of, I started climbing, but I also had a great buddy of mine who lives in Seattle also. Um, he's the, today he's the one of the person who holds the record in the world. Climbing Everest uh, in 10 hour and 56 minutes from bottom to top, and um, yeah, so his name is Lakpa Lakpa Gelu Sherpa, and he kind of uh, uh, gave me a, like a lot of hint, and uh, he came over my house three four days, giving me a you know like a ideas. And the good thing about the boot that he climbed to, the climbing boot that he climbed to, to use for Everest uh, for. 10 hour and 56 minutes, he borrowed, let me lend it. He said, you can borrow this boot. Um, uh, you can use this boot to climb. And okay, great. That's wonderful. And then so uh, he helped me to until two in the morning to pack. My wife's kids are sleeping, but he helped me two in the morning to pack all my gear and everything. And I flew to uh, Tolkien, Alaska. And, and then the weather turned really bad. People were run out of food in the mountain. They're turning around and and I go, wow, this is this is not the Mount Rainier, so I'm going to be in trouble now. So, uh, but when I fly to Tulkina, and three days later, weather opened up, and they flew me to the base camp um, of 7,000 feet, and they left us there in the plane, and they landed in the snow, and then they just let me left us there, and we we're like a, two guys from the Air Force. Um, uh, two guys from Texas uh, mixed together. We had nine people, and start climbing Denali and climbing in Denali is about a 22 days expedition. We start climbing in the well, Denali pass and storming mushroom on the mountain. It's really dark and it's really bad weather. And so that night we just wasted like a three, four hours, like a energy and then we came back and sleep. And then there's another group. They said, we're going to go. And I said, no, no, don't do it. We just turn around. Please just uh, stay here. We'll, we'll leave tomorrow. And he said, they said, no, no, they're going to go. So they go in and 6 in the morning. I think at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, they turn around and came back. And that, that's the time I said I made a call saying, like, we need to go now. So 
second try we went and then we submitted um, that was uh, after climbing their company the uh, he said that their company been doing uh, expedition on the Denali over 50 years and the first time I we broke the company record by climbing in within 13 days we broke the record came back celebrating the base camp with a beer fish and eating so everybody laughing happy so yeah, that's uh, that's we started, and then from that, I went to Kilimanjaro by myself, and I managed. I'd never been to Africa before. We broke the record, came back, celebrating the base camp with a beer, fish, and eating. So everybody laughing, happy. So yeah, that's uh, that's we started, and then from that, I went to Kilimanjaro by myself, and I managed. I'd never been to Africa before. Very scary inside and. What's going to happen? I didn't even know this country. So I contact this company in Africa with, uh, you know, like this uh, one uh, British-owned company. And then they said, oh, you come and we'll help you out, and blah, blah. So that we just, um, I flew there. I managed to go, well, since I'm in Africa, I should go to Russia from Amsterdam and climb both the mountain. Again, I was just going to put a time of 10 days. So I bought a ticket, return ticket. I went there, there in um, July and then, coming back, so I put only 10, 10 days gap. And so I got uh, really lucky, so I, when I, uh, I was already climatized, and then so in the June month, and then July, I went to the Kilimanjaro and climbed the mountain within, 20, uh, I think it's a 20, I don't know, 16 hours and 37 minutes. And I climbed from bottom to top and then came back and then rested two days and had some beer at the hotel. And then I went half over to Amsterdam and then uh, and then from that, I went to St. Petersburg and up to Mineral Bode and then climbed the Alberts in eight, eight hours, eight hours, something minute, and then came back. And, and then from that, uh, the next mountain was very easy. Uh, it was like a, just walking, hiking in, in Australia, but plane ticket and the hotel is more expensive than, you know, just a trip uh, for the mountain. So it's a Kosciuszko was very easy and, it was a uh, hike in two hours and then came back climbed that. Then from that, I went to Aconcagua in Argentina. Uh, climbed the Aconcagua in nine days. Um, and also that was uh, the biggest thing was I was I feel like I went there for a celebrated New Year. <laughs> it's, uh, I got there in uh, 28th in, uh, over in Argentina in Mendoza. And then they had a, like a, I stayed to race two days to prepare my backpack and everything and climatize. And then... I had a New Year celebration, and then next day I started climbing um, on the first, and then ninth I made a summit and came back to all the way to Mendoza. And from that I went over to Chile, and then Chile to over to Punta Rino and climbed the, uh, and then went to Benton Massif and climbing three, three, four days. Uh, from that I was the last mountain was made live in Everest, and then I had to wait until the, the May May season, and so. I started in Everest from Kathmandu to, uh, I was already climatized, all this mountain I climbed, so I was very climatized, and then, but it was, Everest is higher than the rest of the mountain. So from there, I climbed Everest from Kathmandu to summit and back within 16 days. Now, before you did the summit, what were you doing for, for a living and how were you able to fund the, the climb to the, the seven summits? Yeah, great question. Um, I I was uh, I had some back in 1996. Uh, I sold some stocks. I bought stocks in like but I was always in the stock like here and there. So 
I bought a Microsoft stock, and before, right before the Asian crisis that 1996 went down, I sold my Microsoft stock, and I opened a restaurant in Seattle. It's called a Himalayan Chef Restaurant, and then I had some little money saved up. On top of that, uh, um, also my wife uh, is a she's a dentist, and her her company also sponsored me. And then there's another company in a, a partner with the Microsoft. It's called Cyrus. Uh, I think the S I R U S Cyrus company and Peter Peter Younger Peter Younger is a friend of mine and he he helped me a sponsor and then with the, all the three four people sponsor and Microsoft match funding with a, um, another uh, like a funding we use uh, this uh, matching program uh, all these company help um, uh, because. The cost was almost ninety-seven thousand uh, dollars with the airplane ticket, hotels. Um, you know, like uh, you know, even though if I gained very economically, all my gears and everything to put together is uh, quite expensive. And uh, the biggest expensive was the uh, uh, flight to the Antarctica was very expensive. It was about almost close to about uh, thirty-five thousand um, dollars just a flight, so just the airplane ticket. Yeah, uh, that's from, a huge chunk. Uh, Oh yeah, that's a huge money bag. And there's only four, four, uh, four, uh, four or five trips, and you have to get in that flight. Otherwise, you cannot get in. And even though today the flight costs almost about now, when like extra like forty thousand or forty five thousand dollars now, even got expensive. So yeah, that's what uh, those of funding was came from there. And uh, yeah, the, the, the mostly my wife helped me, and um, you know, see the biggest part is see dentist. He has to work, she has to take care of the daughter, and at the same time, you know, like, uh, she has to be sad about, am I coming back or not, you Yeah, know? that's and a huge so sacrifice, is, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, sacrifice, I think that because of, because of that, and I think it's a, we are a great team today, too, and my wife is also, is a very, very big heart. It's it's great that you found a partner that understood that and also shares the same types of values that you do because I don't think your marriage would have lasted or even you know any type of relationship if that person doesn't support what you do because this is a huge sacrifice for the both of you. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about an advice that you would give someone who's really struggling to find themselves and who wants to help or just even figure out what it is that they're really meant to do, or they already know what they want to do, but they're just afraid to take the next step. What advice would you give those people? Well, um, life is a gamble. Don't be afraid. Go for it. The worst thing going to happen is might gonna not gonna happen first time, but it might gonna it will gonna happen because if you pursue in your dream, and if you think positive, it will think gonna happen positive. If you be afraid and you cannot do it, you just you will be stuck in there in the rest of your life with the dream. And I think it's a you know like a, I I mean that's kind of saying like you know you go to the gambling table, you have twenty five dollar, you're gonna put them the blackjack table thing like here. I'm going to win big or I'm going to lose and I'm going to go home. That's what life is also, you know, like, I mean, yeah, there might be second chance, but the thing is, uh, I think that for me, this is what I take the path because I gamble my life. I, and then I think it's a pretty much that's what kind of a changes me because I just don't want to be stuck there. Like say, well, I have a $5. I want to, I don't want to expend it. If I expend it, I'm going to lose this. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Uh, I didn't have the money, but a lot of money to climb. It cost me $97,000, but I had a vision, I had a goal, 
Um, and I said, I'm going to do it. And people came along to support me that fund. So uh, it's done at the end, it's done. So that's what you have to do because um, I don't want to be stuck in my dream saying the rest of my life, saying like, well, uh, I'm afraid of, I don't think I can do this. You know, it's going to be too late. And I think the, a lot of young kids, I think the time is money. And you have to value yourself that, you know, um, what do you want to do? Uh, like when it comes around like a age of 40, after 40 plus, if I waited, I would never think about Seven Summit because I didn't have any energy left. I didn't know what I want to climb. I have a family life. I have a kid in school. I don't, there's a lot of things that will change has come, but before you get too late, you need to go for it. That's such a great message to give. And the worst thing I think for all of us is always wishing and having those what ifs and we never get up and actually do it. And we always have that in the back of our minds, right? And then when we're old and frail, we look back and, you know, what if I had done this? And I think that's one of the worst things that you can do for yourself is never trying because there's always going to be failures, but... You know, that's how you learn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, like, you know, you know, yesterday, I mean, like, a, it's a daily basis, too. Like, you know, like, I could have had a free time yesterday. I was just, like, a, sitting on the couch playing my Facebook, and I could have done my laundry. I could have done it today, and then today there's something emergency came out. Going, wow, I should have done yesterday my this, and now today I could have been so relieved. But, you know, people always regret, and like, going to go, well, I should have done that. But, you know, rather than say, done that, do it, and done it, and could have done it, you know, you could have done it, and you could have been, result could have been great, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, I was, I was just, today, I was, like, looking at myself, too, crazy, like, for me, like, how the hell do I ever thought about saying, like, with a living tree and a happy years and wife and home, and saying, like, I'm going to do a seven summit, I wasn't drunk, you know, but I <laughs> came, and, because, uh, yeah, I, it came, and I just said it, and then, now, what I see it, and you have to do it. And, and then I did it, and people thought, he's a he's BSing, I don't think he's going to do it. And that's why, uh, you know, like, uh, and people who didn't even didn't believe you, now they believe you because you build that trust, saying like, uh, well, he said it, he did, he's going to do this, he did it. He said he's going to do that, he did it. Now he's like this. So the guy is amazing, and we need to trust him. And, you know, that's the ethic. ethic. Ethic in every place you go to apply a job, the first thing you look at in the resume, people will look at the, the ethic, you know, how, you, how long you've been that person hold the job, how long the person, you know, done it. all these things comes from trust. And I think you have to build a trust to trust people. You have to have a good ethic. And I think it's, uh, everything is in this world that nobody can say, I cannot do it. It can be the way I did a seven summit. I think anybody can do anything. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a saying, well done is better than well said. And that's, it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, you, you did the seven summits and the, one of the greatest things that came from that is your foundation, right? And now you can help so many people and make such great change just because of what you did and that first step that you took because you had this dream that you wanted to accomplish. Now, can you give us a little bit more of a background on Seven Summits, what it's about and, you know, more details of what, why you started it and what you're doing? 
the Senate summit, like I said earlier, I give you an example about females on answer, like, uh, you know, age of 13, they married and they couldn't see that. The second thing is, I went through in my life in the village um, that such a small village, and there was about nine different villages in connect to my village, makes a one uh, like a district. Uh, so, pretty much uh, what I, what happened is like uh, my like I earlier also opened the topic of my father is a British Army and he's trained like a family is a trained like British Army. In the village, the school doesn't come as a first priority. Family work become a first priority. And um, when I do a, like a lot of, lot of, like say I wake up in the morning, I eat, a, I drink a, a tea, um, and then after that I have a snack, and then I run to the jungle to get a wood for cooking meal uh, for the family. And then I, I go down to the river, like a two-mile run down the river, and then I climb back to the river, come back home, and I grab my snack, eating while I'm standing, and then run to the jungle to get a grass for the cow. And the nighttime when teacher gave me a homework, I'm trying to do a homework, there's no light, there's no electricity, there's no fire because we had we need a wood for the cooking meal. So uh, if I, I know I had never had an opportunity to such a doing a homework and this and that and like, you know, doing my school work. Um, because of that, I look at all this hardship back there. And um, like I talk about, woman, woman has never seen the wheels in the car. Um, electricity. Buy you have to issue the rich people in the village. They buy. They go to like a three days market and they buy a kerosene and they put those tiny tube in and they light it up. Uh, and they, the rich people family can do a homework. Kids can do a homework and they don't have. A, they have a servant. Servant does the, all the work and so they don't have to do anything. So for us, we are not rich. We are not poor. But my family, my father went through really hardship and he said that we should all go through hardship and can make something in our life. So all these things, because I thought about it, and after, like I said, 10, 15 years later, I got my green card, I thought, wow, Nepal could be changed because America is such a developed and Nepal should be 10 years later, I think Nepal would change. But it got worse because after the revolution, a Maoist revolution in Nepal, uh, it destroy everything we even had in the village, everything messed up. So when I went there in the village, there's not many males, all females, out of like racial of maybe one male out of about 25 females in the village. Female cannot do a hard work. Female, female cannot do a lot of things. And all the males are going to run away from the Maoist thing and they ran into like a Dubai, Qatar, Israel to do a work and bring money home, support family. So. I went to the village and then I see like a lot of difficulty and then that's the moment I, like I said, I wasn't drunk and I said I can do a seven summit, put my name out there and I help out. And so I started doing building schools. Um, I built like electricity for 110 homes in the village. Uh, now today, the, uh, today even the electricity are like everywhere and people can get read and write and, you know, they didn't have to worry about, you know, like a teacher going to get it. I mean, the worst thing that I got is every single day I've been beaten up by teacher because there's a, I couldn't finish the homework and I have no time. I mean, daily basis routine is my routine was, my family was, family was, work was first priority. And after that, like say, even the medical, people get severe pain with a toothache, like a root canal. They have to carry somebody's bed behind back and they have to take walk three days to cross the mountain to take the this clinic. And clinic doesn't have a full support of the all these procedure dentists. They didn't have like this. So because of that, I thought 
Climbing Seven Summit and opening a Seven Summit Foundation will, what I do the work, how I did it, and all these things, people will continue to come. And and now the even the NYU, like 75 to 100 doctors goes a year to, to the Seven Summit Foundation. And if you YouTube, if you Google, you can see the NYU and Seven Summit work. And I think that this year also they booked it like a two dentistry group to now. And we're also very, very um, concerned about the Nepal government policies and stuff because right now the after the during the earthquake in, it's been like a three and a half years. All these organizations went and give them billions, millions of millions of dollars in Nepal. None of the people has even built their house yet. So we are building a house right now. Uh, their government promised to give a $2,000 and never did. And they're waiting for that $2,000 and they're still sheltering, they're not building their house, the, you know, the house that's been damaged. You know, when the earthquake happened, obviously there was a lot of media to it, but we don't realize that even after it happens and years later, there's still so much to do. And but there's not as much help anymore because the media is not focused. There's more things happening and it gets buried in the background and underneath. And it's great. It's fantastic. And it's obviously another great accomplishment that you are able to help people who really need it and still continue to need it every single day. And another thing that I really took from what you said is what you had gone through and still the people and the children are going through. I mean, just walking for miles just to get water. And I'm sure it was also a a lot of walk, just going to school and just getting the right health care for themselves. And, you know, if we compare it to here, we're complaining about a 30 minute commute in the car while somebody's walking literally miles just to get water for themselves which is an everyday need and necessity so it's just it's perspective and it really opens your eyes when when you do see this in person and you experience it and that's why I think it's so important for people to do responsible travel you know not just Obviously, you want to enjoy it, but also really see what people and culture, what the differences are. So, AC, if people want to help and they want to find out more about your organization, where can they find you and where can they contact you? The organization is uh, number seven, like a seven, Roman number seven. Summits, S-U-M-M-I-T-S, like a parole, summitsfoundation.org. Or they can go to himalayanfoundation.org. We'll draw out same um, website. And the, right now we're looking for, we're not looking for their money. Um, they can welcome to go to Nepal for two weeks volunteer up to them. But the, the thing is, the airline ticket costs about you know, $2,500. And then get there, you have to stay at the hotel, you have to go to the village and it costs up like comes out almost close to two weeks trip. It was gonna come out like um, you know the just a good volunteering going there. It's gonna cost about almost close to four to five thousand um, dollars. The other way to do it is like uh, you can fly for saying, hey, I like to buy one labor in Nepal, pay thousand dollar, and he can or she can go there, do a work for us, and we'll pay his uh, benefit. Like you can do a thousand dollar one month do- donation for building these homes in the village. 
and uh, they can do that, or maybe half a month. I, I just uh, uh, we are not looking funding, but the thing is, funding can buy labor. The labor is also create a more job and the a job for the locals. And I think rather than these young kids are going to Middle East like Dubai, Qatar, Israel, uh, having a lot of lot of problem in their own life, they can I going to come back or not? Um, and because of that, you can have a, this kind of a, uh, you know, like a labor again, creating the within job for this so much rebuilt project in uh, Nepal after the earthquake. I think that that would be great help. Um, the you know, like the other thing is, we also have a program. It's a Everest Base Camp track or Himalaya. A lot of people wanted to do a life of life of uh, journey of lifetime. Uh, memory of a lifetime type of thing. So if they go to through the International Sherpa Guides, which is my other company, 30% profit will also benefit give back to the Seven Summit Foundation. And the foundation, that fund will either build, help build a school or rebuild the villages like a homes and whatever the funding can offer. And we do those kind of things. That's incredible. And, you know, you get both best of both words, worlds. You get to enjoy yourself and you also help out people who really need it. And another thing that I wanted to emphasize from what you just said is that when you give that $1,000, it's all about the labor here and the jobs that you're giving people. So it's not charity when you're giving someone a job. You know, someone's not just sitting there and waiting for you to give them a handout. They don't need that. People don't need that. We all want to feel like we are doing something with ourselves and we want to feel like we are contributing. And by giving people jobs, I think that's the best thing that we can do. You know, and that's a really amazing thing. They can, I mean, they have a choice. They can, um, I know if, if you want to, if you, anybody want to willing to help for the uh, Nepal earthquake project and they can say, hey, I want to go to a country and maybe I can, I like to go to Nepal always and I have in my, you know, bucket list. Everybody says that, a bucket list. So uh, if you the bucket list, this is a, yeah, this is a great time to go in the say, well, and any other time is not important, but this time is important because right now the country is going through a lot of problems, uh, labor uh, issue, hard to find a job, and trees hardly comes because of the they, they are still worried about the you know earthquake problem uh, happen, and I think they they think like well maybe the country is still a lot of mass, but the thing is you know but this is the time you can go saying like well maybe two people are gonna find a job because I'm gonna go to Everest Base Camp track, I'm gonna do drink the my track, I'm gonna hire two Sherpa or two porters. So they get a job for the so they can and they can support and that's one of the way to do. The other thing goes well the thirty percent that this company going to this company this money my money worth somewhere. So the thirty percent gonna go to benefit the also the earthquake we rebuilt. Uh, the other thing goes well maybe I'll do the I don't have a time right now I have a schedule is so full I have kids in school, so I'm busy so let me do a five hundred dollar maybe half a month or maybe thousand dollar for one month to buy one of the guide and. Maybe they can give me a report who they hire, what keep bring me some kind of update. And Seven Summit will happy to do that. And I think it's a that's going to be the great benefit that you can give back to Nepal. That's amazing, and it's incredible what you guys still continue to do after 
you know, after all of these years. And we will definitely put the website on our website as well so people can check that out more. Thank you so much, AC, for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. And all of the insights and the stories you told us was fantastic and I got so much from it and obviously um when I met AC a few years ago I was girl fanning for sure (laughs) (laughs) so it's 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 great thank you so much again for giving me this opportunity to talk to you and learning more about what you do and getting the meat of it thank you AC I hope you enjoyed this episode with AC Sherpa. If you want to learn more about his foundation and how to help Nepal, you can visit 7summitsfoundation.org. Again, that's the number 7, summitsfoundation.org. Or you can visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com. One of the best things about having an offbeat life is being able to work from anywhere. But with all of my crazy schedule, it's hard for me to find the best deals on flights and where to stay. But Skyscanner has helped me through that. If you visit offbeatflight.com, again that's offbeatflight.com, you'll also find those killer deals.